Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us today. We're grateful that you're here. Thank you for your support in the uh, strengthening and preserving of families. And today, kind of in the spirit of Come Follow Me and this year's course of study for members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Book of Mormon, and how the Book of Mormon can strengthen us and our families, you know, even how the scriptures can strengthen our families. We know that the Book of Mormon can have a huge impact on our lives. The scriptures can have a huge impact on our lives. Research even tells us that youth who are involved in religious, private religious worship and public religious worship are strong. They benefit in so many areas, socially, academically, physically. Their overall well-being is strong. And so uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of scripture can have a great, great strong impact on our youth. You know, what's funny is that's anytime, and you know, that's, we call it kind of a Sunday school answer, right? That you could say prayer and scripture, prayer and study, scripture study for, an everything. for everything. And, but there's a reason that, that those are the answers because that really is the truth that prayer and scripture study is our anchor. It's, it's what gets us through this life. <clears throat> it's what grounds us. It's what brings a spirit into our life. And so um, I always just think about that when I hear you say prayer, scripture study. I'm For like, all their answers, I'm like, I know. You're right. I wish they knew how right they were. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's So great. we're excited to talk about this topic today. Um, as we dive in and talk about the power of the Book of Mormon and how it can change us individually and change our youth and our families, I know we do have a few listeners that aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're good Christian people and just wanted to invite you all to read the Book of Mormon if you have any desire to do that. But if not, I think you can take the same principles and apply it to the Bible, you know, the, the Bible and, and scripture study with your own children and your family. I think I think it's so important that we as Christians teach our children all about Christ and no matter what book that we're teaching from, I think it's just important. Yeah, I do too. I think that's great. And if you really did want to book a Mormon and weren't sure how to access us, you just email us at preservingfamiliespodcast at gmail.com. We will get you one, right? That's not a problem. We'd be happy to get you one. Years ago, I came across this little piece of poetry, but it, it's called the Family Bible. And it goes like this. Old Brother Higgins built a shelf for the Family Bible to rest itself, lest a sticky finger or grimy thumb might injure the delicate pages some. He cautioned his children to touch it not, and it rested there with never a blot, though the Higgins tribe were a troublesome lot. <laughs> his neighbor Miggins built a shelf. Come, children, he said, and help yourself. His book is old and ragged and worn, with some of the choicest pages torn, where the children have fingered and thumbed and read. But of the Miggins tribe, I've heard it said, each carries a Bible in their head. Hmm. That may be just one <laughs> great advantage, right, to having a, raising a family where the gospel of Jesus Christ and the scriptures are part of the focal point. Here's another significant piece of research I think that's so helpful to us. But years ago, the church conducted a study 
And in that study, they identified four gospel outcomes. And the idea was that if a parent had these outcomes occur in the lives of their children, that parent could kind of nod their head and say, yeah, I think we did okay, right? And that was number one, ordination to the Melchizedek priesthood. Number two, serving a full-time mission. Number three, receiving the temple endowment. Number four, marrying in the temple. And once again, the idea was that if, if those things happened in the lives of children, then parents could say, okay, you know, we, once again, we did okay. Not that we were perfect or anything. Question was, is what led to those outcomes? And at the time, the church studied Sunday school and seminary. And, uh, of course, the scouting program, the young women's program, youth conferences, EFY, all of it. And what they found out, that the things that led to those outcomes more than anything else, and I wish we had a, a sound effect for a drum roll here, was personal prayer and personal scripture study. In fact, there was like a 90% correlation with personal prayer and personal scripture study and those four outcomes. And if any of you know much about statistics, you'll know that a 90% correlation with human subjects is like unheard of. You know, I mean, I'm on a research team right now, and if we had a 30 or 40% correlation, that's pretty amazing, right? And so, number one, super powerful to think about that, especially in the context, and Janie, you can kind of think about this in your life as well, but of how much time and energy we devote to youth conferences and uh, girls camp and high adventure and, you know, and, and all those type of activities, hoping that those are going to be the things that get our youth to the temple on missions. And, and yet it's personal prayer and personal scripture study. Wow. Again, the kids got it right, right? Prayer and scripture study. <laughs> yeah, they nailed it, right? So in case some of you are like, okay, well, yeah, we want our kids to engage. We want our youth to engage in personal prayer and personal scripture study. So how do you do that? Well, guess what? The next high correlation was this, that families who engaged in family prayer, family scripture study, family home evening, an agreement on family values, that was also highly correlated with youth who privately read the scriptures. We call it private religious worship. So privately read the scriptures and privately, you know, pray on their own. So once again, if we want our children to engage in personal prayer and personal scripture study, then we better be doing that in our families. Yeah, we've got to be modeling that, right? From day one. <laughs> right. Maybe a lot of you have wondered over time, what is the percentage? How many families in the church engage in scripture study as a family on a regular basis? Now, years ago, not, not too many years ago, but years ago, there was a study conducted by BYU professors. And what they found, well, first of all, what they did is they went to stake presidents throughout the church. And they said, okay, identify maybe five or six of your of the sharpest families in your stake, in which those stake presidents did that. And then they went and interviewed and, and gave and, you know, ministered surveys to these families. What they found was that about 28% of those families were reading the scriptures. Now, once again, th these were the sharpest families in the stake. So if you went broader and you just interviewed all the families in the stake, I think that percentage would be a lot less, right? Uh, Elder Cook, Gene R. Cook, years ago, as he traveled throughout the church, estimated that only 
maybe 10 to 15% of church members read the scriptures as a family. So if these numbers are right, we have a lot of work to do collectively and individually in our families. Yeah, I really hope that, that since, you know, with the emphasis on Come Follow Me and home-centered, church-supported, you know, the past few mm. years, I hope that number's gone up a little bit. Right. But, you yeah. know, we can hope. <laughs> you would like to think that, right? Yeah, but that that's a, that's a scary number, actually, I think. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting thing in research where we tend to, uh, you know, mark those surveys the way we think the researchers want us to. You know, and a great example of that is in my own doctoral dissertation on fathers and sons. You know, if you ask the fathers, do you have a great relationship with your son? Tell us about that relationship. Most of the fathers said, oh, yes, my relationship with my son is incredible. And then we asked the sons the same question. And they said, no, I have a horrible relationship with my dad. (laughs) Well, the same thing is true in our own ward. You know, years ago, right after Come Follow Me came out, we sent a survey out to parents and youth on how they were doing with Come Follow Me. And most of the parents said, yeah, yeah, it's going pretty well. We're doing good. We like it. And the youth were saying, no, we never do it, you know? Oh. And so there is a, <laughs> there's a miss there. <laughs> you did, a little so, perspective miss. <laughs> so maybe to parents, Perception. we say, so if you are doing this, you may want to tell your kids, hey, we're doing this. This is what we're doing right now. This is come follow me. Hmm. Maybe they just didn't know that. So, <laughs> Well, here's another thing that I'll share just as we kind of lay a foundation here. Years ago in 1986, April General Conference, President Benson, our president of the church at the time, was scheduled to give a talk. And I've never heard of this happening personally, except for this occasion. But for whatever reason, they ran out of time at General Conference. And so he never gave the talk. They just printed it in the ensign, but no one ever heard it audibly. And I think it's probably one of the best talks President Benson ever gave. And I'll just share with you what he said. Is It was this idea. The talk was entitled The Power of the Word. And you can look it up. It's the ensign, May 1986. He said, I add my voice to these wise and inspired brethren to say to you and, and that, that one of the most important things you can do as priesthood leaders is to immerse yourself in the scriptures. Search them diligently. Feast upon the words of Christ and learn the doctrine and master the principles that are found therein. There are a few other efforts that will bring greater dividends to your calling. There are a few other ways to gain greater inspiration as you serve. But that alone, as valuable as it is, is not enough. You must also bend your efforts and your activities to stimulating meaningful scripture study among the members of the church. And then this, this is, this is the key right here. He said, often we spend great effort in trying to increase the activity levels in our stakes. We work diligently to raise the percentage of those attending sacrament meetings. We labor to get a higher percentage of our young men on missions. We strive to improve the numbers of those marrying in the temple. All of these are commendable efforts and important to the growth of the kingdom. But when individual members and families immerse themselves in the scriptures regularly and consistently, these other areas of activity will automatically come. Testimonies will increase, commitment will be strengthened, and families will be fortified, and, he said, personal revelation will flow. Wow. There it is. Prayer and scripture study. Well, it's, no, it's, I mean, this is President Benson telling us, though, what a great promise that if we as parents, I think we could say, and leaders would just focus on the scriptures and helping our people get into the scriptures, then these great, great benefits will fall into place. So what we want to do now is just identify some of the great promises 
and blessings that come to us from scripture use and in some specific ways from the Book of Mormon. And the first one probably is just to be able to hear the Lord's voice. Or in other words, as we read the scriptures, we can receive revelation. We can, we can have the Lord speak to us. And I know many of us have had experiences in our life where as we are reading the scriptures, answers come. In fact, sometimes the answers come in the form of a scripture. So hearing the Lord's voice is crucial. A few years ago, when the church was uh, sharing this campaign of hear him and how I hear him, Elder Bednar said something, Elder David A. Bednar said something that we'd like to share with you that we feel is really powerful. I can't think of anything more important for any of us in this day than to have the promise that we can hear him, that we can receive his guidance, his reassurance, his protection in our lives. One of the ways I hear him is in the scriptures. The scriptures are the pre-recorded voice of the Lord. And it's not hearing an audible voice per se, although that can happen. It's hearing the scriptures in a feeling, a feeling in your mind, a feeling in your heart. Revelation is thoughts to the mind, feelings to the heart. The scriptures for me are the key in being able to have those thoughts and feelings. I think Elder Bednar is right on, right? That, that, that we certainly can hear the Lord's voice through the scriptures. The second great blessing of studying the scriptures, and especially the Book of Mormon, is spiritual power. Mm. And when I, when I was thinking about spiritual power, I had to go to our primary kids who sing scripture power. <laughs> and they hold song. up their scriptures and they get so excited and... I think we even, you know, as we're listening to the primary kids sing, we get excited in the audience because we're like, yes, yes, I love the song. Because we do feel that spiritual power when we read the scriptures and we're actively engaged in reading in them. I love that. And, you know, scripture power keeps me safe from sin. Scripture power is the power to win. Sorry, I wish I had a good voice that I could <laughs> sing to you. Yeah. No, scripture power, every day I need, the power that I get each time I read. Yeah. Um. That's just so true. And you know, you know how the kids make have actions to that, you know, and they're I think Elder Bednar, speaking of him, did that when he was the president of BYU Idaho. That's how they started off every devotional, is he would hold his scriptures up in the air and then all the students and once that was done, then they would start. But that was kind of the, the students would hold theirs up too. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, Pr- President Nelson just recently on a Facebook post, he said the Book of Mormon is filled with truth. If you read it daily, you'll have more truth and power in your life. Who doesn't need that, right? Yeah. If you'll feast on the words of Christ found throughout the Book of Mormon, I promise you that you will have greater power to resist temptation, increased ability to receive revelation, and greater capacity to deal with the challenges of life. Wow, that is so powerful. Pretty much covers everything, right? That if we feast on the words of Christ that are in the Book of Mormon, and we know the Book of Mormon is a second witness of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible testifies of Jesus Christ, but the Book of Mormon gives gives us even more information about Jesus Christ. And so as we actively, humbly, you know, dive into the words of Jesus Christ in the Book of Mormon, that's where we get our capacity for revelation, to handle the challenges of this life and resist temptation, just like he promised. Yeah. It's a great, powerful promise. 
Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. You know, another one, and President Nelson kind of covered it, but when we talk about the blessings of Scripture use and the Book of Mormon. You know, when you quote, or when we read in 1 Nephi 15, 23, and 24, in fact, in those verses, uh, Nephi is receiving the interpretation of the tree of the tree of life in Lehi's dream. Well, what meaneth the rod of iron? And I said unto them that it was the word of God, and that whosoever would hearken unto the word of God and would hold fast to it, they would neither perish, neither could the temptations and the fiery darts of the adversary overpower them unto blindness to lead them away to destruction. So just that power in the Book of Mormon itself. In fact, President Benson years ago said that there is a power in the Book of Mormon that will flow into your lives the moment you begin a serious study of the book. You will find greater power to resist temptation and to avoid deception. And boy, do we have so much deception out there today. Many of our adults and our youth are being deceived. And I think the Book of Mormon helps us to be anchored to the gospel and to the Savior and his atonement. President Hinckley said it this way, that there are daily promises. He said, there will come into your lives and into your homes an added measure of the Spirit of the Lord, a strength and resolution to walk in obedience to his commandments, and a stronger testimony of the living reality of the Son of God. All of those things, in my mind, can help us to resist the temptation that comes in our lives. Our prophet, President Nelson, said that we can be immunized, as we read the Book of Mormon, against the evils of our day, even against the gripping plague of pornography and other mind-numbing addictions. Isn't that a great promise that we can even have power to fight the addictions that we have by immersing ourselves in the Book of Mormon? Another blessing of scripture use is that we can receive answers to our prayers. We've been promised that. We've been taught that. President Nelson said, I promise you that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon, or probably any scripture, (laughs) every day, you'll make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you'll receive answers to your own questions and directions for your own life. Yeah. And I I love that little antidote we've been taught over the years that if we want to speak to Heavenly Father, we pray. And if we want answers and we want him to speak to us, we study the scriptures. And that's where we find our answers is through the scriptures. We've been told that over and over. And I know I have felt that way as you, it's always funny to me. Every time I read the book of Mormon, I see things I've never seen before or see answers to my prayers or questions that I've never seen before. I remember one time when I um, was the young woman camp director and I was really searching for an answer of what to do in a certain instance going into camp. And as I was reading through Alma, the scripture just popped off the page and told me exactly what we what I needed to do. Mm. And it was just such a witness because we were also studying the Book of Mormon that year. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm just will always be so grateful for that tender mercy that the Lord um, answered that prayer for me. I'll never forget that. And many other times, uh, many other prayers that I have answered as I've studied the Book of Mormon. It really does bring power and revelation and all those things into our life. Yeah, and I agree, Janie. I've, and I've had those experiences too. Very specific prayers have been answered through scriptures in the Book of Mormon. And it's amazing to me, we've, you've heard many people talk about this, but can you believe how many times we're just reading that chapter that morning because that's just kind of the next chapter 
but it contains the very revelation that you've been looking for. Absolutely. So I love that. And then another one, another great blessing of scriptures. And Janie, I think this one's your favorite. Yes, since we're all about (laughs) (laughs) preserving families, right, and strengthening families. Yes. President Romney said, I feel certain that if in our homes parents will read from the Book of Mormon prayerfully and regularly, both by themselves and with their children, the spirit of that great book will come to permeate our homes and all who dwell therein. The spirit of reverence will increase. Mutual respect and consideration for each other will grow. The spirit of contention will depart. Parents will counsel their children in greater love and wisdom. Children will be more responsive and submissive to that counsel. Righteousness will increase. Faith, hope, and charity, the pure love of Christ, will abound in our homes. And lives will bring in their wake peace, joy, and happiness. Mm. If nothing else, that's why we (laughs) read the Book of Mormon, right? To have those promises in our home. Yeah, there's not one promise we wouldn't take. And I still remember, Janie, maybe you remember this, but I remember one year uh, we had about five teenagers in high school at the time, and we lived in Texas, and I just thought, you know, we've read the Book of Mormon several times as a family. It's time to do something else. Let's read the New Testament. Let's read the four Gospels. And you kind of dusted off that quote, and you said, okay, you find me a quote like this that applies to the New Testament, and we'll start reading that next. But until you do... We'll just stay with the Book of Mormon. And I remember saying something very profound like, okay. (laughs) There's just such incredible blessings and promises associated with reading the Book of Mormon. And we just got to do it. (laughs) Yeah, we do. We all need that in our lives. We need that power. You know, Janie, a scripture that I've really loved over the years is the one in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them, that's our children, the scriptures diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down down in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, back in those days they walked everywhere, the way was the highway. We would say when you're driving, uh, when you liest down, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. You know, one of the things, Janie, I've always admired with you is you always found a way in the busyness of our life with our eight children would be to read and to teach and to have gospel conversations in the car, you know, as we're as we were driving or, or you were running them to carpools or whatever. Yeah, I just think that's when you have your kids in the car with you, whether it's mm-hmm. running to activities or if you're on a car trip or a long distance car trip, is you have a captive audience there. <laughs> so take they're advantage. not going anywhere, are they? <laughs> if they want to ride to soccer practice, then they're going to have to. <laughs> But you have this captive audience and take the time to talk to them, you know, take the time to play podcasts, take the time to say, hey, listen to this, this cool, you know, quote or scripture I heard, today. I heard today and just play it to, you know, play it for them. But I think there's so many families get in the habit of going on a road trip, getting in the car and every kid has their earbuds in, their earplugs in, their headphones, or they're playing games or they're, you know, but have everyone turn them in for a couple hours Play some podcasts, play, you know, some ta- some general conference talks and discuss it as a family, you know, do things like that. I remember growing up, I mean, this was ancient, you know, many, many years ago. And I remember every time we lived, we, we grew up in Houston and we would drive to Salt Lake every summer. And I'll never forget in our station wagon <laughs> or yeah. suburban, whatever we had, all of us just sprawled out. And my parents would play those old cassette tapes of the stories and life of the prophet Joseph Smith and 
and looking back, I'm like, that's probably where I gained my testimony. Those would just play over the the speaker in the car, you know, for yeah. 24 hours while we drove to Utah. And I learned to love those, you know, and yeah. And so I think we have to really take advantage wherever our kids are. Let's talk to them. Let's teach them. Let's use every opportunity to instill the gospel and our testimonies in them. Right. And I think, I think the car or the, or as we're working side by side together or whatever it is, uh, just gospel discussions. I mean, even if we're not playing anything, Hey, what did you think of that talk in sacrament meeting the other day? Or how did, how do you feel about this? What did you guys talk about in young women's yesterday? Yeah. But I love this idea of from Deuteronomy again, to teach the scriptures diligently unto thy children. And that you're talking about the gospel constantly and in the verse when you're sitting down, when you're when you're lying down, when you're waking up. I mean, this is this should be the centerpiece of our lives. And our church is not a church, a Sunday church. We don't just go to church on Sunday and never talk about it again. We should talk about it, like we said, as we rises up, as we walk in the way. We should be talking about it all the time. The church should be the center of our life mm. in our homes. Yeah, amen. So probably the last and final thing we'd like to share today are just some ideas for how we teach the scriptures in our home. And I think the first one always is going to be the idea that as parents, we certainly need to set the example. In other words, if we want our children to be scripture readers and scripture studiers, we need to do that ourselves. You know, and I still remember a great experience I read in a book where uh, the young man writing this, uh, this story shared that he said, number one, I had a great relationship with my dad. I love my dad. I looked up to him. He said, my dad loved the scriptures a lot. My dad was always quoting scriptures to us. He was teaching us from the scriptures. And then the young man said this profound statement. He said, and because I love my dad, I wanted to know the scriptures like he did. You know, I think parental example is very powerful when it comes to using the scriptures in our home. The next one is we need to teach lessons from the lives of our scripture heroes that are in the scriptures. You know, I think we need to say, honey, look, you know, if you're struggling with courage, look what Nephi did. He had courage. You know, if we can talk about how Alma repented of his sins, you know, that he was one of the most vile sinners in the Book of Mormon, but he repented and we need to teach our children that, you know, about repentance we can talk about Samuel the Lamanite. We can talk about King Benjamin. Look at all the incredible heroes in the Book of Mormon. Just the nature of Christ, how it, how powerfully that comes out in Third Nephi. There's just so many things about the Savior and the way he ministered to them, about love we could teach, right? So there's all mm. kinds of stories and examples that we could pull out and teach our children right from the scriptures. We had a funny experience when, when, when our son was about three years old. They love to watch the living scripture videos. The and animated, the yeah. Animated. And um, there was a scene where, you know, Nephi puts his arm out and says, you know, touch me not. For I am filled with the power of God. Yeah. Right? So one time he had done something really naughty and Mark went walking towards him to go to go grab him and discipline him. And he, at three years old, stuck out his hand and said, Dad, touch me not. I am filled with this, the Spirit of God. With the power of God. <laughs> with the power of God. And all we could do was just bust up laughing because, A, we were so grateful that, you know, that it was getting through to him, and B, that he knew enough about the Nephi story that he could quote that at three years old. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> got him off the hook for sure on that one. So, uh, yeah, let's get the, these stories in the hearts of our children. <laughs> Yeah, and I think once again, you know, even more specifically, if our 
If our children aren't sure why we keep the Sabbath day holy, well, let's go to the scriptures and talk about that. You know, if they're not sure why we pay tithing or if they're not sure why we serve and help others, there are scriptures that could help us with those things. And, and then just think of how powerful that can become when your personal testimony or experience is added to that. Another thing that I learned uh, as a parent, and it took a while, but that we could actually discipline our children from the scriptures. And I want to be really careful the way that I say that because... Janie, as you were just saying a little while ago, to discipline is to... To teach. Yeah. So we, Discipline I wanted... is not a bad word. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a very a, needed word. <laughs> it's a very needed word, and it's our theme for 2024, right? To be disciplined, but, but to teach them from the scriptures. Or in other words, when there was a mistake that was made or something that needed to be corrected, I learned that I could take them in my office and we could talk about a scripture and I could share with them why that was an important thing to me. Or, or for no, no lie here... But by opening up the scriptures, it helped me be in control a lot more, you know, than I would have been if I was just, you know, overpassionate about something. So a great example, we lived in a home with, with eight children, all close together at age. There was contention occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> like like once a, a day, at least, at least once a um, week, right? But I remember taking children into, a, into my office and saying, all right, let's read in 3 Nephi 1129 and let's talk about why contention's bad because it's of the devil. I mean, when, you, when you're contentious, you've lost the spirit. And so now we're teaching our children the why of something and then letting them know why, why that's important to us and... And why it's important to have the spirit in our lives and those type of things. So I think why it's so important to, to be obedient as a child, to yeah. obey your parents, why yeah. it's critical to be kind and have charity in our home. These are all lessons that we pulled right out of the scriptures. Right. And it, and once again, you would never want to use the scriptures to make a child feel guilty or club them over the head, but to teach the doctrines of the gospel. I mean, remember Elder Packer's famous statement, you know, that True doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior quicker than the study of behavior changes behavior. So yes, we're going to talk about the doctrines of the gospel for sure. And those doctrines can help us change in uh, our behaviors and help us point ourselves closer to Christ. In trying to find um, time to read scriptures as a family, we've got to get really creative, right? I mean, we had eight children. We know how difficult it is. It was a constant battle trying to find a time where we could be together as a family, read scriptures. I mean, sadly, a lot of times it was at five in the morning. <laughs> so I don't know how much they got out well, of it. Well, our kids had early morning <laughs> seminary. And so they were going to seminary and then we were having scripture study and then yeah, was... they were going off to school. And then we had younger ones that were like, well, do we wake them up? Because it sure is nice and quiet with them, with them asleep. And... <laughs> so we get it. We get how hard it is. But I think... I think it's just the consistency. We have to just be consistent no matter what our family does. Every family, it's going to look different. But I just think we have to be consistent and do it. You know, one, another point is when we teach the scriptures, we need to get really creative as far as I feel like when I would teach young women or primary, I would spend a lot of time preparing, making handouts, coming up with clever ideas but then for my own family, you know, we'd throw something together. And I feel like, you know, we this needs to be our main group that we're teaching or the, the children and family and the youth in our home. So let's spend time. Let's get creative. There's As parents, things. right? Just spending time preparing for scripture study, right? Yeah. And there's cute things in the Come Follow Me book. There's 
all kinds of things on the internet. There's all kinds of things in the friend that we could print out, but let's spend some time and make it a priority. Let's help our children memorize scriptures. Elder um, Richard G. Scott used to talk about how important memorization is, and especially having scriptures in our children's head that they can think of and rely on and when times Draw are from. hard. Yeah. So there's lots of kind of creative things that we can do to really up scripture study and make it fun and make it exciting and have our kids um, be really interested in that. Janie, that's really interesting when you said that because I, I've thought before that I remember years ago when I was on the high council, sometimes I would take half a Saturday preparing to give a talk. And, um, and then I would think, when was the last time I prepared for three or four hours for any lesson with our children ever, you know? And it was a, yeah, it was a thought that caused me to repent a little bit. And then Janie, I think to your point of memorization, I think it was Sister Tanner, who was the general young women's president years ago, but she would talk about how memorizing the scriptures would, would sink them into the hearts of our, of our youth and would actually give them great strength and power, especially in a time of need. But, but it was kind of this idea that the gospel was becoming part of them as they would memorize uh, those scriptures. And I thought that was a great idea that you just shared. Thank you. So then, Janie, you know, what do you do when you have a child or a teenager in your family who really doesn't want any part of this? They don't want to participate with the family or on their own in scripture study. That's really hard, but I'm sure that's very common. And I think you just keep offering it. You know, you just keep having family scripture study and inviting and hopefully... You know, they'll keep the door open and hear something. <laughs> and they may you hear know? something they'll never, ever forget. Yeah, right? and maybe then at some point their hearts will be softened and they will come, but some might never come. Right. But I think we just keep trying. We just keep doing our best. We keep offering, you know, we don't we don't change. We don't not have scripture study because somebody might be offended in the family or somebody might get mad or doesn't want any part of it. We just keep offering and we just... Those gentle invitations like, like Christ would offer. Yeah, and just keep loving and doing our best and offering. That's all we can do. Right. You know, I think a great way to close today would be you just using and quoting from President Nelson's most recent book, Heart of the Matter, What 100 Years of Living Have Taught Me. And by the way, if you don't have this book, I recommend it to all of you. It's wonderful. He said, when Dancil and I were married, no one would have called us scriptural experts. However, we love the Lord and were obedient to his commandments. And as a couple, we were drawn to Matthew 6, 33, and we adopted it as our guide. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Thus we commenced our marriage, not worrying about what we would buy or where we would live. I love that the Nelsons were just driven by that verse of scripture in Matthew, to seek first the kingdom of God. Years later, he said, after we had finished my education and were in the midst of a busy surgical practice, raising a large family. I said to Dansel one day, I'm not making any spiritual progress. Would it be okay with you if I got up an hour earlier each day to study the scriptures and to learn to play the organ? Now that's really interesting. President Nelson asked Dansel if it would be okay if he woke up an hour early to play the organ and to read the scriptures. But he began a morning routine of getting up at 4.30 a.m., now, as I study the lives of our prophets and apostles, I'm very aware that these men get up early in the morning. Elder Nelson, President Nelson said, I should note that I wore earphones connected to the organ so the family could sleep beyond 4.30 a.m. 
Little did I know that I would serve as the, the organist for the weekly temple meetings of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve for 30 years. But then he said this, Those early morning hours of immersion in the scriptures were precious. Such regular study was spiritual food for me and proved to be the best way to prepare for my intense days in the operating room. I loved how our prophet prepared for even his professional life by reading from the Book of Mormon, and I've heard many others share a same testimony. Well, then, President Nelson shared this story in the book. He said that during a January 2017 worldwide devotional for young adults, I challenged those viewing the broadcast to increase their testimony of the Savior by doing four things. Number one, study everything Jesus said and did as recorded in the Old Testament, for he is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Number two, study the Savior's laws as recorded in the New Testament, for he is the Christ. Number three, study the Savior's doctrine as recorded in the Book of Mormon, for there is no book of Scripture in which his mission and ministry are more clearly revealed. And four, study his words as recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants, where he continues to teach his people in this dispensation. And then a prophet makes some promises, and whenever a prophet makes promises, I think we should listen closely. I promise those listening that if they would learn all they could about Christ, about Jesus Christ, their love for him and for God's laws would grow beyond what they could currently imagine. I also promised them that their ability to turn away from sin would increase and that they would be better able to walk away from the entertainment and entanglements of those who mock the followers of Jesus Christ. What I did not mention to the young adults was that I was in the middle of completing this assignment myself. And on December the 1st, 2016, and by the way, this talk was January 2017, so December the 1st, 2016, I had obtained a new set of scriptures and proceeded with the same assignments. I would subsequently give to the young adults the next month. When I finished the assignment six weeks, weeks later, I had looked up and marked more than 2,200 citations from the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrine and Covenants. Accomplishing this assignment was thrilling. I told Wendy that I felt like a different man. I felt a renewed devotion to the Lord. I have devoted much of my 100 years to learning about the Savior, but I cannot remember another time when I learned so much about Him as I did during that unique six-week period of study. Now I'd like to conclude the way that President Nelson concluded this chapter. He said, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will be open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life. I promise that as you daily immerse yourself in the Book of Mormon, you can be immunized against the evils of our day. And whenever I hear anyone say, I know the Book of Mormon is true, I want to exclaim, that's nice, but it's not enough. We need to feel deep in the inmost parts of our hearts that the Book of Mormon is unequivocally the Word of God. We must feel it so deeply that we would never want to live even one day without it. One of the most profound truths I have learned during a hundred years of living is that the Book of Mormon has the power to change our hearts and help us overcome the natural man. The Book of Mormon is the book that will help prepare the world for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because it will help prepare a people 
ready to receive him. Well, once again, that's from President Nelson's book, The Heart of the Matter. And I'm so grateful for those promises from a prophet. Once again, I know that they're true. There have been many promises that we have addressed today and brought up in our message here to you. And once again, I hope that you'll pay close attention to those. If any of you would like us to send you our collection of these promises from our prophets, then just email us at preservingfamiliespodcast at gmail.com and we will, uh, we will send those to you. Well, our invitation, so LDS, let's do something. Our invitation for this week to do something. President Nelson said that he was a different man after he immersed himself in the scriptures in such a significant way. I heard him say another time he was a changed person. And all of us can change. The power of the word can change us. And so our invitation to you for this week is to start off our study of the Book of Mormon in the right way. To immerse ourselves in that book of scripture in a way that we haven't before. Let's do something different. And let's find a way to teach our families from the Book of Mormon and read the Book of Mormon with our families. With our technology now, especially for grandparents, there's a great way to gather our families together uh, on frequent occasions and to uh, review the things that we're learning in that uh, great book of Scripture, to have grandchildren and children and grandparents learn together. And so, once again, the invitation is to find a way to immerse ourselves in the Book of Mormon like we've never done before. And we promise that there are great blessings that will flow into your lives as you do so. Well, everyone, thank you so much for being with us on this occasion. We've enjoyed our time with you as we've talked about one of our favorite topics, the Book of Mormon. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you next time.